Good morning. So as you, as you know, last, last week we, we finally finished up these verses, uh, 5 through 11. It took us uh, three weeks, but I think I pray for you that it was time well spent. It was for me. And I can honestly say that, uh, well, the trees are falling down now. I can honestly say it changed my life, and I pray that's true for you. And um, I did, uh, as Ralph pointed out, there was a challenge for all of you, which was to read uh, Colossians 3, 1 through 17 every day for a week. Remember, I asked you all for one little favor. I don't ask you for much. And everybody said, yeah, we'd be willing to do that. It's only going to take you five minutes a day. I won't ask you to raise your hands to see how many have done it. I pray you did. But I just want to read through this. You can read with me up here in your Bibles. I just want to read through this again. And if you've been reading through it, you, you know how rich this is, how this can change our lives. I mean, to me, it, this is a truth I have to remind myself of frequently, if not daily, that there's a need to die, die to self, die to the flesh, and put on the Spirit, the things of God. So follow along. I'm just going to read this to you as a summary of, of last week's lesson. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Where here there is no Gentile or Jew, there is no circumcised or uncircumcised, no barbarian, Scythian, no slave or free, but Christ is, is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks to the God the Father through Him. Amen. So I hope that you spent the time reading that, studying that, meditating on that. As we talked about, brothers and sisters, this is our life journey. The life journey is to continue to be killing these things and putting on the things of Christ. That's the process of sanctification. So with that, let's move on. If you'd open up your Bibles, we're going to go to Romans. We'll pick up right where we left off in verse 12, Romans 8, 12. 
and our brother Charles is going to read the scripture for us this morning. I, I wanted him to read just because I love his accent so much. If you please stand for the reading of God's word. <laughs> Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption mm. to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Mm. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen. 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 Thank you, Charles. Appreciate that. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're just grateful for this time this morning to, to meet together, to be a body of believers, to live in unity. We pray that we are filled with your love and love for others, that the peace of Christ rules our hearts, and that we're thankful for whatever predicament, whatever circumstance each of us faces, that we could rejoice knowing that we are children. Father, now we just pray that you would open your word to us, that the Spirit would speak through me, that my words would be your words. My thoughts would be your thoughts, and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, and that we'd all be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. So we pick up with this first verse, verse 12, and it says, Therefore, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. I'm sure you've heard this before, but whenever there's a therefore, you have to say, what's the therefore, therefore, Right? And so he's saying, therefore, based on these things that I just got done teaching you, based on the reality, hear me on this, based on the reality that there's this great spiritual warfare going on, that you're doing things you don't want to do and you're not doing the things you should, that sometimes you're falling into the temptations of sin and, and the flesh. But that was the bad news. The good news is he said there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's a new position for each of us that are believers. And there's a new power that lives within us, which is the Holy Spirit. And there's a new purpose for our life, which is to live a life of righteousness. Everybody with me on this? So he says, because of these things, we're not obligated to live by the flesh anymore. Now, I, let me add a couple more that he said. He said that, now the reality is that you know that if you live a life in the flesh, it's all death. Anything that is resulting from a life of the flesh is death. It's sin it doesn't mean to anything in eternity. But a life of the Spirit is, is life. It's eternal. It has significance in God's kingdom, right? He made that Drax comparison last week. And he said, and then to encourage us, he said, you know, now let me tell you, the Spirit that lives within every believer is the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And, and the, really the point of that, do you think you have enough power to live this new life? It's the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And he says, therefore, we have an obligation. You see that? In verse 12, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, not to live according to it. 
Now, brothers and sisters, let me ask you this. I think all of us here lived according to the flesh, amen? And, and it says we don't have an obligation to it. My question to you is, how did that work out for you? How, did it li- how was life for you living according to the flesh? To me, it was, a, it was a cycle of being deceived, falling into sin, facing the consequences for those sins, not godly cons- consequences, but worldly sorrow. And then after he would, I mean, Satan is so deceptive, he wants to keep us in this place of endless torment, doesn't he? He hates us. He wants to kill us. So he'd lead you through that, and you'd, you, maybe you'd come out of that, and, and, and you'd start to see a little bit, and he'd bring you right into something else. Didn't he do that to you? It's constant deception, constant sin, constant destruction, taking you down further and further down that downward spiral that Jim teaches on Wednesday night. It, it's an un- incredible thing that he does. And here's the, the this incredible thing to me is that we kept doing it. I love what my brother says. It's like hitting yourself over the head with a hammer and getting up the next day with a bad headache and doing it again. It, it's, it's, it's insanity, right? And you know the definition is we're expecting different results, right? We thought this time it would be different, right? So, so that was the life of the flesh. And so my question to you is, do you feel obligated to that? Do you feel committed to that type of lifestyle? It, it, it didn't result in anything. I mean, come on, you have to shake off the world because it didn't result in anything significant in our lives but death, destruction, pain, heartache, separation. He loves to break apart relationships, marriages. He loves to do all that kind of stuff. So that, that's all that resulted of us being committed to or obligated to a life of the flesh. Amen? So what he's saying here is, is you, we need to be obligated, right? It says... We have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh. It's a life of the Spirit. It's a life of the Spirit. Now, and, and we've seen this. We've already painted I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but we've looked at what that is, right? It's a life, it's a life, filled, it's life filled with love, right? The love of God will richly dwell in a believer, a love that is, and I like we talked about this yesterday with one of the, with one of the kids' groups, it's, it's not the love of the world. It's not conditional love. It's a sacrificial, agape-type love that we get to embrace by God. And here it is, brothers and sisters. It's so filling, the love of God, that we are able to love others as we did yesterday. It comes out of us naturally. We don't need to work it up. We can naturally love others because we're so loved by God. Amen? And then the peace of Christ rules in our heart. That's the type of life we're committed to. Don't you want to be filled with love and peace? And how about joy? I'm not talking about happiness of the world, which is a roller coaster ride. I'm talking about a a resolve, a joy in all circumstances that lives within the believer. That's what's available to us. And he's saying, that's what you're obligated to. That's the type of life you're obligated to. Stop falling for the deception. Stop obligating yourself to the flesh. And start committing your life to a life in the Spirit. And we saw how we do that. So, that's a pretty ringtone. <laughs> Michael, I would never would have thought you would have had that ringtone. <laughs> I would have thought a different song for you. That's, everybody surprises you. So, there, there's no obligation to the life of the flesh. Now look, look at what the verse, we'll move on to verse 13 here. 
It says here that uh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Have we heard this already? We've heard this. Paul keeps repeating this. You will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. I just got to clarify something here because this verse is often misinterpreted and mistaught. So I just want to clarify this a little bit with you. Thanks, Sid. Yes, let me just clarify what it means here to die. Remember, there's three types of death. Oasis family, we teach this whenever we can. Spiritual death, physical death, and eternal death, right? There's three types of death. So what's he talking about here in the verse? Let me just explain something to you. There's there's many people that will raise their hand during an altar call or come forward at an altar call and surrender their life to Christ. But the reality is it's not a real salvation. Not, I'm not saying for all of them, but I said for many of them, it's not a real salvation. Because what, here's how you know is because what this verse is talking about. That person, I've seen it over and over and over again. Somebody's going through a, a terrible divorce, or someone has cancer, or a guy comes to wayside and his life's a disaster. And so they're at the, they're at the, I'm talking about the people that are at the bottom, right? They're co- totally broken. So here, here's what they typically say. I'm going to give Jesus a try. You, you don't give Jesus a try, Okay. <laughs> Don't insult our Lord with that, even that statement. But, they, but they, they, they come to Christ, and here's what happens, though. As soon as, soon as their life comes to some normalcy again, maybe they're healed or they, they get back on their feet at wayside or maybe their marriage is reconciled, you know what happens to, to these people? They go right back to the ways of the world. And, and they live by the flesh. And, and I've seen it over and over and over again. And then what happens is, I've, so I don't see these people for for a long time and then guess what i get a phone call and what's going on another downturn they, they want jesus again because things aren't working out so good so my point to you those people are not saved they're spiritually dead and when they face physical death they will also face eternal death unless they are saved eternal separation from god so those are the three types of death. Now let me tell you this. Now there's others that are saved, truly born again believers, and the Spirit lives within them, but they can enter seasons of sin again in their life. Right? I think some of you know that. So they enter seasons of sin in their life, but let me tell you this, they never lose their salvation. I don't want you to get confused. They never lose their salvation, but what they do lose is their intimacy with God. The sin separates them from God, and they lose that intimate relationship with him. A a great example is King David, right? King David commits adultery and then murder. And then, if you don't know the timeline there, it's a year before he's confronted by Nathan. So it's a whole year, and if you look at his life, it's in great turmoil, right? He's suffering, he's in pain, he's in anguish. Why? Because he's lost that intimate relationship with God. But he's not lost his salvation. Are you with me on this? And there's testimonies right here in this church. They will tell you too, they entered into a season of sin and God was silent in their life for a period of time. They were broken off from that intimate relationship. Some hands just went up. But, so that, that, that's different than, than the first case of someone that was never saved to begin with versus someone that enters into sin. Eventually David confessed and repented and was restored in right relationship with God and many of you here have gone through that. But the, most, the important question is make sure you know which one you're, you are. <laughs> are you the one that is saved or the one that isn't saved? 
And I'll also tell you, and I've told you this before, I know some people that were, I'm very absolutely convinced they're born-again believers. They wouldn't turn from their sin and God took them home. That happens too. He took them home. I mean, I feel bad for them in that they didn't get to live the life God desired them to live here. They didn't get to store up the treasures in heaven. God would have had them store in heaven. But I'm also rejoiced that they're done with the pain and suffering in, their, in, the, in the kingdom of God. So those, that's what it, it's talking about here, that if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But for the believer, um, that's not the case. And I just want to show you just a few scriptures, just so, you make sh- so I, I'm assured that you understand that no one can lose their salvation. Has anybody been taught that you can lose your salvation? Yeah, a few of you. Just, just read, I'll just read these quickly to you and show you a few verses. 1 Peter 1, 3-5. God says through Peter, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now look at this, verse 4. And into an inheritance that can what? Never perish, spoil, or fade. Where is this inheritance kept? In heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. So does it sound like there's any way you could lose your salvation based on that verse? Where is it stored? Heaven. Shielded by God's power. Who's going to get through that? Okay, look at this one. Ephesians from Paul. God speaks through Paul here. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you what? When you believed. You were marked in Him with a seal, the promised, promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. What is it? Guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to praise of His glory, to the praise of His glory. Just one more from the, word of Je- from the mouth of Jesus here, John 10, 28-29. I give them eternal, eternal life and they shall never perish. No one shall... So- no one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. Does it sound like anybody can lose their salvation? No. So don't be deceived. So then it says here, the second part of this, stay with me in verse 13. The second part says, but if by the Spirit... You put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And I'm not going to go through all the analogies again, but the reality is is that if we are submitted to the Spirit, we have life, we have eternal life, and we have an abundant life now because we start to live with an eternal perspective in everything we do. It's a heavenly mindset, as we're reading in Colossians. And then we have life. And I've taught that for the last three weeks, so I'm not going to um, spend that much time on it. So the question here is then, what should we be obligated to, right? Where do, you, where do you want to invest your life? Do you want to invest your life in the flesh or the spirit? Yeah. One, just to give you two comparisons, one is self-focused, flesh-focused, and worldly-focused. The other is Savior-focused, spirit-focused, and heavenly-focused. So where do you want to set your mind? What kind of life do you want to live? I guess the question to, that I have to you is, is that where your mind set? How much time do you spend thinking about God? How much time are you in prayer? Meditating on the Word of God? You know, this issue of sin is so serious. Let me just show you this. There's a lot of Scripture for you today, but 
I don't think we ever get enough. Look what Jesus says about the seriousness of sin in our life. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. I put this scripture up here to remind you we're going over this Colossians verse of putting to death the flesh, putting to death the sin in our life. I just want to tell you it's a very, very serious matter to God. Did he literally mean to cut off your hand and poke out your eye? No, we'd all be walking around without eyes and hands right now. That was the case, right? Probably without feet and a lot of other things. We'd all be in wheelchairs. But the reality is he's trying to make sure we understand the seriousness if there's sin in your life. You need to make a determined effort to replace that with godliness and get that sin out of your life. Is everybody okay? Amen, brother. Hi, girls. There's some VBS kids coming in. Okay, verse 14. This is just a statement of confirmation of love. This is, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So, you want to know if you're a saved believer or not? If you want to know if you're a child of God? Here it tells you right here. It says, if you're led by the Spirit of God, then you're a child of God. If you're led by the flesh, then you're probably a child of the world. It's that simple. So here's, here's, let me just read this to you. It says, so do you have the desire to live for God? Is it a pressing reality in your life? Do you, do you daily battle with your flesh and the world? Do you hate sin? Do you, love your, do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Do you, do you have the desire to share the gospel with the lost souls? Does it break your heart as you look out in the world and see people that are not saved, that don't know Christ? Or is that an inconvenience for you? You should have a burden for the gospel. Broke my heart hearing those stories yesterday from those kids. Um, how about this one? Is God changing you? How is God changing you? What is God changing in you? Are you growing in the likeness of Jesus Christ? See, these are, these are self-examination questions to find out if you're truly a believer or not. Or maybe you're just a religious person that goes to church on Sunday. There's got to be a significant transformation work in your life, changing you. God does, you know, here the old saying, God loves you the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. God will be changing you. And I can tell you in my own life, it either comes easy by me living a disciplined life and submitting myself to these things, or the hardware where he brings in trials and brokenness. But either way, he is going to change us. It's kind of like the verse, humble yourself or I'll humble you. Verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. Do you see that? The spirit you receive does not make you slaves. I mean, brothers and sisters... I hope you openly realize that before Christ you were a slave. You were a slave to sin. You were a slave to your flesh. And, and uh, you, you may have thought you were leading your own life and running your own life, but the reality is you were uh, not dumb and happy, but deceived and miserable. 
right? Amen? Yeah, we were slaves, and, and we, were, we were set up, and, and we were following our, our sinful desires in our life. But it says here that through the Spirit, it does not make us slaves. You see, brothers and sisters, when, when we were saved, we've talked about this, but here it again, when we were saved, we were delivered from the penalty of our sin. It, it, that's an amazing reality, isn't it? Do you ever get tired of hearing that? At the moment you were saved, you, you could confess your sins and repent, and by the blood of Jesus, all the penalty of all the sins you'd ever committed at the day you were saved was taken away from you. Isn't that unbelievable? And not only that, the penalty is if you sin today, you go back and confess and repent and trust in the blood, the finished work of Jesus Christ's blood, and you're forgiven again. And tomorrow, guess what? You can be forgiven again. See, do you see that? that? That's the blood of Jesus. The penalty of all of your sins is continually being removed from a believer as you confess and repent. But here's the other one. This is what I want you to hear too, is that the power of sin was removed the day you were saved. It no longer has authority in your life. Because the, the Holy Spirit lives within you. you. For the first time in your life, you can now say no to sin. You don't have to do it anymore. You can say no, and God loves you so much, He'll empower you to be delivered from whatever sins are holding you down. Isn't that amazing? That's the life of a Christian. So you see, He didn't, he didn't save us to make us slaves. He, he saved us to set us free. He, he opened the prison doors and let us out of ourselves, and now we have the power to live a righteous life, which we never could do before. I never get tired of hearing that. And that's what it's saying. We're not slaves. Now let me show you a truth that really changed my life here. Some of you have seen this before in, in Design for Work. I'm going to Numbers 14, 1 through 4 here. It says, That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept out loud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land? Only let us fall by the sword. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, We should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now, Brothers and sisters, at this point, I mean, think about this. These Israelites had experienced the ten plagues when they were in Egypt. They saw God working these ten plagues, these miracles, to, to do what? So that the Pharaoh would what? Set them free. Come on, participate. So the Pharaoh would set them free, right? And then they got to the, the Red Sea, and what happened? The, the Egyptian army, come on, you got, at least you saw the Ben-Hur version of this if you didn't read in the Bible. So then the, the army's coming up behind them, and, and what does God do? Parts the Red Sea. You can all say that, parts the Red Sea. Very good. So he parts the Red Sea, and then they go through, and then the sea comes on the Egyptian army, right? Then they're in the wilderness, and how is God feeding them? Manna from heaven. Water from a rock. Right? And so here, at this point in the, in the, uh, the historical record, they get to the promised land, right? And they send out the spies, and the spies come back, and most of them have a bad report, right? There's giants in the land. Do you remember this? I love this. This is historical, by the way. This isn't Hollywood. This really happened. And so there's giants in the land, and so what do they say? They want to go back where? They want to go back to Egypt. And what were they in Egypt? So they want to go back to, they want to, go back to slavery. And let me tell you something. I see it all the time. I see it all the time with Christians. 
See, because the reality in your life is as you've faced trials and tribulations in your life, you had a comfort zone, a comfort sin zone. For some of you it was drinking, for some of you it was drugs, for some of you it was sex, for some of you it was food. I don't care what it was. You had all these, and you probably had multiple, right? So when things went bad, you went to your slavery. When things went good, sometimes you went to your slavery, right? And it was a comfort zone. And no different than the Egyptians, you keep putting yourself back in bondage. You don't need to go back to that anymore. It just, it's just going to keep, keep you locked up and in slavery. Is that where you want to live? No, you don't want to live. You don't have to live there anymore. And if you realize this truth, and here's the thing, is so when the temptation comes to go back to whatever your bondage is, you have to review these truths is that, you're, that the devil's trying to set you up and bring you back into slavery, and you have to refuse to go back there. Get your word out. Start looking up some verses. Start, start praying. Start meditating. Don't go back into those bondages. It's amazing how often Christians go back into the... You know, the cell doors aren't locked, but they keep going back in them and putting themselves behind the bars. Okay. Look at this too. There's so many good truths in here today. I'm praying you're getting some of these. So it says here in verse 15, it says, The the Spirit uh, does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. How about that one? Let's talk about that one for a couple minutes. Spirit of fear. But look at this. So that you live in fear again. What does that mean? That means we lived in fear before, right? When we were lost, we were slaves to sin, and come on, it was a life of fear, wasn't it? I mean, think about this. We'll talk about a couple different fears here briefly, but think about the sin itself. Say adultery, uh, pornography, drugs, right? Well, what, what kind of life is the adulterer living? Oh, my goodness, they're afraid of the text coming through, the phone call, the email, right? There's all these fears that the spouse is going to find out, right? Can you imagine that? Or pornography. If someone sees my computer, someone finds one of these things on there, that there's, a, there's a level of fear being uncovered there. And drugs, I mean, come on, buying the drugs, transporting the drugs, doing the drugs, being dropped at work, right? All that stuff. So it's, it's a constant life of fear when you're living in a sinful pattern of being uncovered, right? Yeah. And how about this one? I mean, the fear of the unknown. See, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I sat on the throne of my life. And that's a lot of responsibility, right? So I was on the throne of my own life, so I was determining where I was going to go, what I was going to accomplish, my goals, my, right? The whole list of who I'm going to marry, my kids, uh, where I'm going to live. All that was on my plate because I was on the throne of my life, right? And you know what? I didn't even know who I was. Amen? Amen. We don't even know who we are apart from Christ. So you're doing all these things, and you don't know what's going to happen and what the storms are going to be, and when they do come... Since you don't have a relationship with God, the storms of life fall on my plate, and I got to work these out myself. That's a life of fear. But I mean, the life of Christ. Well, let me get to that. Look at this. I'll just show you one verse on this. Look at this verse, 2 Timothy 1 7. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self control. This is good news. I'm a little out of breath, but this is good news. 
I mean, think about this. I mean, what is he talking about? Is this our power now? No, this is the power of God. This is the power of God that we are now under. Okay, listen to this. I mean, I don't know how you visualize God's power. Look at his creation. Look at the sunrise, the sunset. Look at the changing seasons. Look at the mountains. Look at the oceans. Look at the wildlife. We've got a jungle right behind me today. But yeah, so but you look at all these things, and then if that's not enough, look up in the stars, look at the galaxies, look at the planets, look at look at the billions and billions of stars and realize that God's holding all this in his hand. Not only did he create it, but he's holding it in the palm of his hand. Are you with me? Okay, but not okay, so you got that going on, and then he loves us. As it says here, that he loves us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. He knows the hairs on our head, he knows when a sparrow falls from a tree. And He's for us. Can, can you rest in that power? Doesn't that give you a peace? I don't have any fear anymore. You know, some of you guys came from gangs and you belonged to gangs because there was a source of power in the gangs. Right? I'm in a gang too. It's called God's gang. You know what? I, I can't imagine being in any stronger gang than that. He's on my side. The God of the universe is for me. He's watching over me. He's guarding me. He's protecting me. He, he, and now that, He loves me and wants the best for me. Why would we fear? There's nothing to fear. And here it is. And Jim teaches it well, once. So when circumstances in life come to us, trials and tribulations, we don't need to fear them because we know that God is allowing these things for our good even when we don't understand them. You with me? It's unbelievable. We don't have to live with any fear of anything, especially man. So, Spirit just prompted me. Are you sharing the gospel with this lost world? Are you afraid of man? Are you afraid of what people think of you? You know what Jesus said? Ashamed of me on earth, I'll be ashamed of you in heaven. So there should be no fear of anything, especially spreading the gospel. People are perishing, and you don't want to share the good news of Jesus Christ with this lost and hurting world? How did you get saved? But there's no fear. And the reason that the third one, so I talked about the power of God, the love of God, and self-control comes from the fact that we rest in His power and His love so we can live a life of self-control and no fear. A couple more. I don't know what I'd do without Sid out there. Okay, the Spirit you received... Does not make you slaves so that you, you live in fear again. That's not us. But rather, the Spirit received, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. See, we're no longer slaves. We no longer live in fear because we've been adopted in the family of God. We're now children of God. Chosen, adopted, redeemed. We are now, it says, sonship. Sons and daughters of, of God. And I love this part too. It says, and, and, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. I think you've probably heard this before. It's preached frequently. But you know what that word Abba means? It means Daddy or Papa. It, it's a term of great trust, uh, intimacy, that's expressed with that word Abba, Daddy. In fact, look at Jesus. Jesus said this when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you to take this cup from me. 
Yet not what I will, but what you will. So, brothers and sisters, you see that the reason all this has changed is that, you know, with an adoption, there's legal documents that have to go with an adoption. Yet you have to transfer ownership of a child to a new family. They have to verify that this family, and guess what happens when that happens? The, the, the birth parents give up all rights to that child, and, and it's brought into the adopted family's rights and privileges, right? You with me on that? See, so when we were adopted out of the, out of the depths of hell, out of slavery to sin and Satan, we, we, have, we have legal documents that, that prove that we are part of a new family, and that, and that document is the Spirit of God that lives within us. And, and you know, so you have, you have a birth certificate, which is a physical birth certificate, and if you're a believer, you have a spiritual birth certificate, which is the Holy Spirit that lives in you that proves that you're a child of God. You know, I always picture, it's probably going to think I'm weird, but you know, I just picture that as God looks at the heavenly realms that we don't see, there's angelic hosts, one-third of the angels were kicked out of heaven, they're flying all over the place, and so are God's angels, the other two-thirds. And when they look out upon mankind, it's very clear to them because of the glowing glory of God that lives within every believer. They can clearly see who are believers and who are not because the very Spirit of God glows within them. Can you picture that? This place would be glowing right now. I hope. I'm glad I can't see that. And lastly, we'll just close with this last part. It says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. That's what I just got done talking about. So, brother, sister, do you have the Spirit of God living within you? I gave you some tests. Let me give you some more. When you pray and read and study and meditate on the Word of God, do you experience the Holy Spirit in your life? Does He open your minds and hearts to the Word and gives you life? Does the Holy Spirit take the Word throughout your day and transform you? Does He teach you, rebuke you, correct you, and train you in righteousness? Do you find in your own life you have a growing hatred for sin? Growing love for righteousness? Do you see yourself more and more transformed in the image of Jesus Christ? What are you obligated to? Are you obligated to a life of the flesh or a life of the Spirit? Pray that so. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful. Really, we're celebrating a lot of things today, Lord, yesterday, and it just continues through this morning. And We pray that this little church is bringing you glory and honor, that we're rightly dividing your word, and that everything we do in this church is bringing you glory. We pray that, Lord. I pray for these body. I know there's hurting people out here today and things that are not said, and I just pray that you would minister to them as only you can by your spirit through your word. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.